John will tell us soon that his friends, when they were younger, were listening to bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, and Led Zeppelin. But John was convinced then that it was music not of Led Zeppelin, or at least not necessarily, that truly had power and energy. Power and energy to, well, we might say, blow away the rock and rollers. This is the finale from Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 4, and it's from a CD titled Mad About Tchaikovsky, one of those best-of albums sampling a composer's masterworks. John Vida was mad about Tchaikovsky, it's fair to say, right from the start, and he's so pleased to have a chance to share what Tchaikovsky can do in terms of power, energy, and expressiveness with all of us. John Vida and Amy Iwazumi are co-founders of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society, and they are gathering their friends from around the country to present three concerts this weekend in the Wyoming Valley, Lackawanna County, and Columbia County as well. They will present Sextets by Tchaikovsky and Brahms, and they stopped in at the WVIA studios, John with his violin and Amy with her viola, to talk with us about the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society and the upcoming program of power and beauty. We've been around for nine years, so we're coming up on our 10th anniversary, and since then we've been fostering the growth of chamber music in the northeastern Pennsylvania region, giving concerts, educational opportunities, and we just love bringing chamber music to, to our area. You maintain friendships with the musicians you have encountered and worked with all over the country and probably the world, right? Absolutely. In this concert in particular, we have friends going back, I think, 20 years from all over the world, in fact. One of the violinists is originally from France. He lives in Los Angeles at the moment. We have a cello professor from West Virginia University coming in, another cellist from Eastman School of Music. She's on the faculty there, as well as a New York City freelancer. You also have wonderful explanations about how and why you choose the music or the type of programming you want to do. Now, this is a large one with six string players. Yeah, we... We've always wanted to do a program of, of string sextets. And when we originally conceived this, we thought, you know, if we had six people, we could also then do quartets, trios, duos. But then we figured, how often do we really get to play sextets? So we decided to do a program of just string sextets. So for two violins, two violas, two cellos. 
And so the Brahms and the Tchaikovsky are two of the great war horses of the repertoire. You all know, it's obvious to you as string players, but for people listening, they may not understand. You have a string quartet, you have four players, and you add two more. What makes it so much richer, perhaps, if you have a sextet? So Tchaikovsky, actually, when he composed the Souvenir de Florence, he was talking about how difficult it was to compose for it because he kept wanting to compose for a symphony but having to reduce it down to a sextet. But because of those difficulties, I think he really has captured the sound of a symphony, but only with six people. And the added viola and the cello definitely adds a depth to the sound and really big harmonies that you can't get with a string quartet. And I think, I think those that haven't experienced classical music, chamber music, or even just a string sextet might be surprised with just the sheer volume of sound that six string players can, can produce. And what about you all in preparation now? These are works you will each will come together knowing your parts or having been familiar with your parts, but then you have to put yourselves together because you haven't done this probably together with each other. Correct. As with any of the chamber music concerts, we all have to do our individual work and then bring it together at the end before the concert. And I think it's hard to, it's hard to explain the workflow with chamber music, but there is a lot of individual work that happens and ensemble work and finally what you see on stage at the end. Personally, I can say I started practicing the Tchaikovsky even though I have played it before in November, maybe, because quite frankly, it's a tough first violin part. You mentioned it already, Amy, the nickname or the subtitle, the Souvenir of Florence. Is there a story connected with the creation of it? Is it in some way related to travels? Yeah, but the story actually isn't so interesting, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the, the name Souvenir of Florence, he originally, I think, started working on it and thought of themes while he was visiting Florence. But that is pretty much the end of the Italianist, shall we say, of the work. I mean, there's really nothing much more Italian about it, other than maybe, you could say, the bel canto style of the second theme in the first movement. But other than that, it's a very Russian piece, actually. You're the first violinist, and who is your second? Ambrose Obron. And he, like I said earlier, he's French, but he lives in Los Angeles and teaches in Las Vegas. So he's He's kind of all over the place. And Amy, how about you and the other uh, violist? So Christina Giles, she's a New York City freelance violist who we met, I don't know how long ago. A long time <laughs> a ago. Long time ago. We lived in New York. Actually, when we were living in New York City, we had talked about starting a nonprofit organization playing chamber music. And, you know, life got in the way. We moved and we started our organization here. But yeah, we talked about it from way back, and we're really happy to be doing this work in northeastern Pennsylvania. You talked about the bel canto. Do you, as first violinist, have a beautiful melodic line you could share with us? Absolutely. just one sample 
we, we were talking about just the, the history of the, the piece. You know, maybe the, the story of, of the name isn't so interesting, but I think for me, the music is just so compelling. And that's what I love talking to people about. You know, Tchaikovsky for me, actually, I have my mom here visiting, and I don't know if she remembers, but way back when I was a kid, one of the first CDs I ever bought myself was Best of Tchaikovsky CD. And it kind of got me hooked on Tchaikovsky, and I think it's it's a compelling way for people just to have a, an inlet into classical music in general. And I, I bring this, this point up to a Music 101 class I teach, you know, and I firmly believe that if you say you don't like classical music, I think it's just you haven't heard enough of it to find something that you do like. And I think that Tchaikovsky is one of those pieces that there's something in there for everybody. And Tchaikovsky as a writer for strings, Mm -hmm. we know, of course, the violin concerto. Is he really comfortable with writing for each of the various string instruments? Yes. However, it's terribly awkward at some points. You know, in this piece, it actually is often performed as a just a string orchestra version. And I think that works very well. And in the sextet version, oftentimes he'll throw in some double stops or some some chords just to fill out the sound, but make it particularly awkward when um, maybe perhaps it didn't need to be. But he's a much better composer than I will ever be. And Amy, what about his work with the viola in this instance, for example? You're not just backing up and filling out. Oh, absolutely. He, He writes some really juicy melodies for the viola and actually for the second viola, too. I think he's very good at audience members will notice when they visually see us playing. He will have little segments go from first violin, second violin, first viola, just around the ensemble. So it's kind of like a effect going from left to right or right to left. And he, he does that very well. And viola in particular gets a, I guess, spotlight in the third movement when Amy gets to start the piece and introduce the theme. You ready? So the other thing I think we kind of have to mention, at least with, with Tchaikovsky, and this piece in particular was written around the same time he was writing The Nutcracker, actually. And when you think of Tchaikovsky, you obviously think about ballet. And this piece is just, I think, inlays with that aesthetic, that quality. Um, particularly in the second movement, it's a really a pas de deux between the first violin and cello. And that was kind of a folk flavor that you were playing, Amy, wasn't it? Yeah, he definitely includes a lot of Russian folk songs in there, as he does with a lot of his works. Movements, how many? Four. Four. Which one is the slow? The slow movement is that that ballet movement, the duet between the the violin and cello, and it's, I think, my favorite eight bars of music in the concert. I know the cellist isn't here, but could you play your part? he leave us then? Earlier I had mentioned that when I was younger I bought Best of Tchaikovsky. My friends, maybe I'll date myself here, were listening to Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers and I was listening to Tchaikovsky rocking out to that thinking man this is so much more exciting than 
rock and roll. Even though I, I think I've mentioned it before, I love Led Zeppelin and Chili Peppers, but Tchaikovsky has just as much, if not more, energy. And I think each of the movements just builds and builds and builds on that until we get to the finale, which is, again, another Russian-inspired folk song that just keeps building, and by the end, we're going at breakneck speeds. We won't ask you to do that now? Right. I didn't think so. (laughs) How did you decide to position the pieces? Brahms, Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky, Brahms. I don't think you can follow the Tchaikovsky with anything. The way it ends, it's it's so bombastic, exciting. That's definitive end to a program. The Brahms, I think, just is an incredible, beautiful work in general, but just the way that it starts, it's so mysterious, odd, quirky even, kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, It's just a beautiful way to start the program, actually. He has two, right? Two sextets. Which one is this one? This is the the G major. And it's, I think, most known, or it's infamous, shall we say, in the viola world for the the way that it actually starts. It sounds like the viola is tuning, in a way. Right, John, we might ask when we hear that, where are we heading here? You've played Brahms here with us before, so it's wonderful that you have a chance to bring another Brahms to us. What is the sense you have about the difference between and among the interactions of you players with the Brahms and the Tchaikovsky? You mentioned, Amy, about going the round robin, for example. How does Brahms deal with the concept of six of you? Mm, his is a lot more meshed together, I guess. Uh, it's almost more about the inner lines than the, than the outer, right? I think I'm a little bit jealous, actually, that Amy gets to play viola on this, because, I mean, Brahms' viola parts are always great. I They're think this always very satisfying to play. Interestingly, too, I recently found out that this piece was premiered in the United States, in Boston. In Boston. And then was the European premiere, so... America got the first first performance. What about melodic material in, in this piece? There's a lot of viola. You want to give us an example? That's a different kind of melody, isn't it? You know... As opposed to Tchaikovsky, I think the Tchaikovsky, I could sit here and play the entire piece through, and I think it would make sense in a lot of ways. Not all the time, but the first violin usually has more prominent role. In this, it's it's so equally divided, I think, between the six players that I might get the melody for three or four bars, but then it's immediately going to shift to somebody else. And as Amy said before, the texture is always weaving in and out of itself. We know that Brahms wrote Hungarian dances and waltzes and things like that. He was a dancey kind of guy. Do we get any dance moments in this? It wouldn't be a Brahms chamber piece without it, I think. The second movement is a scherzo. It's not terribly fast, however. It has that kind of in the same style, I guess, of some of his Hungarian dances. saying it wouldn't be Brahms chamber music without that feeling. Just watching your body language, you could just get that sense, that dance-like, folk-like feel. It seems like each one is satisfying in a different way for you as musicians and will be for us as audience members, right? Yes, absolutely. I think the Tchaikovsky is a little bit more extroverted. 
it's fun to play, it's fun for everybody. I think if the audience doesn't clap at the end of the first movement, you've probably done something wrong. <laughs> the Brahms is just, it's, it has its extroverted moments too, of course, but it's, it's, you know, with Brahms, usually it's very introspective. And just as a string player, creating sound, I think, is, is what's so satisfying about it. What about the various places you'll be performing and the liveliness of the halls and how you have to adjust in, in those instances? So on Thursday, January 11, we will be playing at the Hayfield House at Penn State Wilkes-Barre. It is a really lovely ballroom, I guess, with fireplaces on either side overlooking the farm. The acoustics is absolutely wonderful in there. Wood floors. It's got some it, reverb. Some on. marble. So it it's very intimate space, very limited seating. But when the place is packed and we're in there with the audience, it really makes for a great experience. Up close and personal experience, too. I mean, I think our audience is going to be about six feet from us, probably. <laughs> Would those conditions be something like these pieces might have been heard originally? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Tchaikovsky actually was dedicated for the, what, the St. Petersburg Chamber Music Society. A very similar... Similar organization. Right. We have. That's Thursday. And Saturday, January 13, we'll be at the First Presbyterian Church in Bloomsburg at 2 o'clock. And that is a lovely space as well. It's very quaint and... It's cork floor. Yes. It's kind of interesting. So it's a very, very warm venue. And so we're very much looking forward to being there. We have not played there yet, but when we visited the church, it, it immediately felt perfect for, for a sextet concert. And on Sunday, we will be playing at the First Presbyterian Church in Clark Summit. And this is our third or fourth time playing least, there. Yeah. And the audience is always wonderful there. The space is very nice to play in easy to hear each other, and I think the audience also very much enjoys the space. The concert on Thursday, January 11 at Hayfield House is very limited. Uh, there's a 100-seat limit, and we are more than three-quarters of the way sold out. So, so act, act, act soon. Act yeah. soon. And the website, Amy? NEPACMS.org. That's N-E-P-A-C-M-S dot org. Tickets are only online, uh, not at the door for Thursday. Saturday, Bloomsburg, you can get tickets at the door or buy online at nipacms.org. And the Sunday concert is free. Violist Amy Iwazumi and violinist John Vida, founders of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chamber Music Society, speaking about three concerts featuring sextets by Brahms and Tchaikovsky. This Thursday, January 11th at 7 o'clock, it is a concert at the Hayfield House at Penn State Wilkes-Barre, and as Amy has expressed, it is limited seating. So if you're interested, you would need to buy your tickets online, nipacms.org, nipacms.org. That's this Thursday evening at 7, Sensational Strings at the Hayfield House at Penn State Wilkes-Barre, Dallas. And then we have uh, another performance on Saturday, this Saturday, January 13th at 2 in the afternoon. That's in Bloomsburg, the First Presbyterian Church of Bloomsburg, 345 Market Street. And you can get tickets at the door or online for the Bloomsburg concert, nipacms.org. 
And then Sunday, January 14th at 4, it's the concert at the First Presbyterian Church of Clark Summit, 300 School Street. And that concert is free. It is part of the Fine Arts series at the First Presbyterian Church of Clark Summit. And so that's at 4 this Sunday at the First Presbyterian Church of Clark Summit on School Street. For all the information you need on the web, nepacms.org, nepacms.org. A program titled Sensational Strings, featuring a string sextet by Brahms is second, and the Tchaikovsky sextet known as Souvenir of Florence. The team will be made up of John and Amy and their friends from around the country, as far away as Los Angeles and West Virginia and up at Eastman, the Eastman School of Music and New York City. And they'll be coming together to play sensational string music by Brahms and Tchaikovsky. Again, for more information on the web, N-E-P-A-C-M-S dot org.